Welcome back to another mini-sode of As The Crime Turns. I'm your host, Desmond Revell, and I'd like to thank you for listening today. For those of you who listened to our first mini-sode, James R. Jordan, be sure to be on the lookout for part two. If it's your first time listening and you enjoy what you hear today, it would be my pleasure if you subscribe. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. And if you can, leave a comment. We always look forward to any feedback, whether good or bad. With our mini-sodes, the releases will be random and sporadic. So the only way to keep up is to subscribe and, of course, follow us on social media. Oh, and by the way, happy Valentine's Day. All right, let's get started. Valentine's Day. I have bittersweet feelings around this holiday. Some years I absolutely love it and others, well, let's just say it isn't my thing. Crime Turning Nation, I have a question for you all. Of all the Valentine holidays that you've seen, whether good or bad, could you ever imagine waking up on one of those to a missing or vanished child instead of the normal cards, candy, and flowers? What if I told you that on this very day 20 years ago, a young girl grabbed her pre-packed backpack filled with school supplies and clothing, left home, and never came back, vanished without a trace. This is the story of Asha Jaquila Degree. Asha was born August 5th, 1990. I bring that up now to pinpoint that she was only nine years old when she left. I know I personally cannot speak for every nine-year-old, especially because I haven't been nine in quite some time. But simply put, I cannot imagine running away at the age of nine. I can remember maybe walking home from the bus station, and maybe there were some days I would be home alone for a few hours, but not many. Moving on, 12 years prior to February 14, 2000, Valentine's Day 1988, Asha's parents, Harold and Akilah, were married. One year later, they gave birth to a son, Asha's older brother, O'Brien. And as mentioned above, on August 5th, 1990, Asia was born. The Degree family planted roots in the small town of Shelby, North Carolina. Today, Shelby is considered Charlotte adjacent. Harold and Akilah kept a very grounded, controlled, and for lack of better words, woke home. The parents sheltered their children from many outside sources that held the power of influence. These would be things like the radio, television, probably certain music, and of course the biggest, at the time, computer and internet. The year 2000 was the time of AOL America Online, CompuServe, and Windows ME Millennium Edition. I remember getting my first computer around that time. According to Akilah, quote, Every time you turn on the TV, there was some pedophile who lured someone's child away, quote, which was the reason why her children didn't watch it. When it came to Asha and her older brother, if it wasn't school, 
family-related activities or church, they weren't doing it. They were a very religious family attending Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church each and every Sunday. According to Unsolved Mysteries, this structured lifestyle was met with agreements from Asha. In the year 2000, Asha was in fourth grade at Falston Elementary. She held the perfect attendance record there. Asha was a very reserved, shy, and quiet young lady. According to an interview Akila did for Jet Magazine in 2013, Asha was so afraid of dogs, her mother thought she would never go outside. Eventually, she grew past it. Now, the weekend leading up to Valentine's Day was very eventful for the Degree family. According to Reddit.com, that Friday, February 11th, school was out. Asha and O'Brien spent the day at their aunt's house, which was literally across the street. That afternoon, they went to Faustin Elementary for basketball practice. Saturday, February 12th, the children had basketball games. Asha's team lost. This would later be used as a factor to describe why she possibly vanished. That night, Asha went on to a slumber party with her cousin Katina. On Sunday, like any other Sunday, the Degree family attended church together. Afterward, they went by a family member's house for Sunday dinner and fellowship. Around 6 p.m., they arrived home and everyone settled in. Shortly after, a storm blew and the power is knocked out. Now, in my research, there were several conflicting stories about where Harold was between the hours of, I guess, maybe 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. Some say he was at work. Um, maybe he was working a part-time job. Others say he was out making arrangements for his anniversary, which was technically the very next day, and grabbing candy for the kids because, of course, it was Valentine's Day. Maybe it was all of that. However, at around 2.30 a.m., Harold arrived home. Upon arriving, he went to check on both of his children who shared a room at the time. According to Harold, the children were sound asleep. After acknowledging everything was okay on the home front, Harold himself retired and went to bed. Later that morning, about four hours later actually, Akila woke up to get the kids ready for school. It was between five and maybe 6 a.m. When she entered the room, O'Brien was asleep, but Asha was not there. When Akila woke her son and asked where his sister was, he had no clue. O'Brien mentioned he heard noises in the night, but it could have just been his sister tossing and turning in bed. According to the 2013 interview with Jet Magazine, this is how Akila described the discovery. I woke up on February 14, 2000 at 5.45 a.m. The alarm went off for my children to go to school at 6.30 a.m. I went to the bathroom two feet away from the door to start the bath water because they could not take a bath the night before since we had a power outage. I opened their bedroom door. My son O'Brien was under the covers as he usually slept. I called his name and he jumped up as usual. I realized that Asha was not in her bed. I looked beside his bed because sometimes she would get up at night and lay there. I asked him where she was. He didn't know. I checked the couch. I checked downstairs. I checked the kitchen. I checked every closet in the house. 
I went in my room and put on clothes and told my husband, Harold, that Asha was not in the house. I checked our cars. She was not there. My husband said maybe she was in my mother-in-law's home. She lives across the road. We called my sister-in-law's house. She was not there. That's when I went into a panic mode. I heard a car next door. I did not have shoes on. I put shoes on and ran outside. I called my mom and told her that Asha was not in the house. She told me to hang up and call the police. I threw the phone at Harold and I went outside. As she stated, Akilah and Harold frantically searched the house. Observing that there was no forced entry, no broken windows, and the doors were even still locked. Now, if the doors were still locked, that would have meant Asha locked her family in the house before leaving. Asha was not in the house or the vicinity. The family called 911 and a search began immediately and for 20 years has never stopped. According to Akila via Jet Magazine, by 6.40 a.m., the first police officer came and we started telling them what we woke up to. About two to three minutes later, the sheriff was here and more police officers were in the house. They asked for pictures. The sheriff called for a K-9 unit, but they could not find anything but my scent. By that time, every neighbor in my street was up because I was walking up and down the road, screaming my child's name. By 7 a.m., every cop in the county was here. Every news reporter had shown up. Five or six local news channels were here, local newspapers. By 7 a.m., I was plastered all over the television. After news broke that Asha was missing, Several people came forward, mentioned they had possibly seen Asha walking. Between the hours of 3 a.m. and 5 a.m., Asha was allegedly seen walking near North Carolina Highway 18. This is a roadway known to connect Shelby to Wilkesboro and the North Wilkesboro area in North Carolina. When the drivers approached Asha to, quote, save her, Asha darted off and disappeared out of sight. This was technically the last time anyone saw her alive. Asia Degree On the night before Valentine's Day in 2000, sometime after 2.30 a.m., nine-year-old Asia Degree got dressed and grabbed a backpack filled with clothes and other items. According to ABC News, she then left the house, never to be seen by her family again. She was seen, however, by a number of motorists who spotted a girl fitting Asia's description walking down the highway at about 4 a.m. in the pouring rain. When one driver tried to check on the girl, she ran off into the woods. That was the last time anyone saw Asia. Akila stated, that's when they stopped looking at me as if I had something to do with it. We didn't even have a computer because every time you turned on the TV, there was some pedophile who had lured someone's child away. As I mentioned in the beginning, Asha left home with a pre-packed book bag. Three days after she went missing, a pencil, marker, and Mickey Mouse hairpin were located in a local business close to where Asha was seen. There were no breaks in the case after this. Things got colder and colder for at least a year. In August 2001, according to the True Crime Files, a construction worker uncovered Asha's black book bag buried off of Highway 18. Now, when they say buried, I don't know if it was buried deep, you know, with the shovel, or maybe just slightly buried by time and age. You know, oftentimes if something is on the ground after seasons have passed, or like a year has passed, it could be covered in dirt, grass, moss, and et cetera, you know, and seem as though it was buried. However, the book bag was allegedly wrapped in two black trash bags and was found almost 30 miles from where Asha started walking. 
A search of the woods near where she was seen running revealed a shed that held candy wrappers, pencils, markers, and a Mickey Mouse hair bow that Degree's parents identified as Aisha's. One of the spookiest details came a year later, when Aisha's backpack was found buried, wrapped in garbage bags 26 miles away. Her family hasn't given up hope, however, and the investigation was even ramped up in September 2017. According to Web Sleuths, near the book bag, animal bones had also been found and a khaki pair of men's pants. After authorities discovered Asha's missing belongings, it was declared that Asha's disappearance was now a criminal matter and foul play was in fact suspected. The book bag and all of the related evidence were sent to crime labs for testing. However, to this date, no details have been released that led to the rescue of Asha. Through the years, Asha's family continued to look for her. Each year, local news would feature Asha. In 2005, a hickory company even stepped forward and added Asha's photo to their trucks in hopes of bringing awareness to Asha's disappearance. Several other local businesses would do the same in the coming years. Asha became Shelby's sweetheart. She was even featured on an episode of Montel Williams, if you remember that talk show, and in 2015, ABC News. Now in our series, Vanished, we revisit the case of Aisha Degree. She went to bed one night and was gone in the morning, simply disappeared. For 10 years, the case has baffled police. Ashley Banfield went back to the scene of the crime where the nine-year-old was seen for the last time. Hey guys, I'm on Highway 18, just on the outskirts of Shelby, North Carolina, where 10 years ago on Valentine's Day, passing motorist sees a little girl walking down this road. It's four o'clock in the morning and there's a raging storm. He thinks it's so strange he circles around three times only to watch as she ran into the woods down beyond those trees and disappeared. And now all anybody here really knows for sure is that this was the spot where little Aisha Degree and almost an entire community's innocence seemingly just vanished. Quiet like her dad. She was upset about something, whatever I could get a smile. She would do anything for you to like. She played sports, she was good at baseball and basketball. Daddy's little girl. She would sit up on the bed, lay her head in my lap. This is a nine year old child that had just disappeared. There's no clues. There's nothing. When Iquila and Harold Degree last saw their daughter, she looked like this a shy fourth grader. Today, investigators believe she might look like this, an age-progressed photo of a 20-year-old woman. What they don't know is where she is, or if she's even alive. It's a small community, Cleveland County, and families are close-knit. People kind of look out for each other and their children, and everybody just asks, you know, what happened? It was February 13th, the year 2000, a stormy Sunday night. Aisha and her 10-year-old brother go to bed in the small room they share. About 11.30, Aisha's father, Harold, says he goes out to buy Valentine's Day candy. When he comes home, he watches TV, checks in on the children, and goes to bed around 2.30. We thought everything was fine. She, when she was around us, she's laughing and talking. But friends say Aisha was upset about losing a basketball game on Saturday. Theory is that uh, sometime during the night, she uh, gets up. And um, packed her regular school bag, put clothes in it. She uh, walks out of the house and heads down 18 South. Several people say that they see her 
but no one stops to make sure she's okay. She runs off into the woods and no one has seen her since. At 6.30 a.m. on Valentine's Day, the degrees awakened to find Asia missing. Look for a missing person, her name's Asia Degree. Volunteers begin canvassing the neighborhood. Almost immediately, investigators suspect foul play. I would, I would never think she'd go out of the house at dark. It's hard to believe that a child would, would leave her home. Within days, the search for Asia focuses on this shed near the side of the road. Neighbors find candy wrappers and a hair bow, which the family says belongs to Asia. For a week after Asia disappeared, volunteers combed this area, walking up and down this highway looking for anything, any sign of what could have happened. They didn't find anything, no blood, no sign of a struggle, no sign of a car accident. Then 18 months later, her book bag showed up, wrapped in trash bags, only it didn't show up here. It showed up 26 miles that way. Because to me it was that um, the next thing they was going to tell me was that they had found her body. Police search but find no body and no other clues. The trail just goes cold. It has now been 10 years. Investigations, Hammock. Police okay. have not given up. Some of the files right here. Almost we, uh, daily they receive new leads. <laughs> Someone out there knows something. We just need that one piece that's going to make the puzzle come together. For the degrees, those 10 years seem like yesterday. They're still living in the same house Aisha left that night, still hoping one day she will return. My heart won't let me move. I can just keep the hope that she's going to walk through that door one day. All we got is hope, and I just refuse to let anybody take that away from me. For Good Morning America, Ashley Banfield, ABC News, Shelby, North Carolina. According to the Shelby Star, on May 25, 2016, the FBI updated the missing person profile for Asha to include the description of a vehicle she was last seen getting into. Then in September 2017, the Child Abduction Rapid Deployment Team out of the FBI's main office in Washington, D.C., announced it would join the efforts of the Sheriff's Office the State Bureau of Investigation, and the North Carolina Office of the FBI. In 2018, two new items of interest in her case were made public. A Dr. Seuss book entitled McElegant's Pool and a New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt. The book appears to have been checked out from Falston Elementary Media Center. A few possible theories circled as to what happened to Asha. There was the theory that Asha simply left on her own. Though I highly doubt it, again, what could have been so wrong she would leave and never come back? But I'm not quite sure. A theory that Asha was talked into running away. Perhaps a family member told her to, or a friend, or, or classmate. But again, 20 years time has passed. It's highly unlikely that happened. Could she have been murdered by a family member? With hearing this theory, I would only wonder if the parents would have known who it was, because it would obviously be someone they gave a key to, being that the doors were locked and unharmed. Even though this was considered a dumb theory, I personally felt Asha was sleepwalking. When I say sleepwalking, I don't mean a medically diagnosed sleepwalk. I mean, she was nine years old. She may have woken up a little too early, got herself dressed and left as if she was headed to school. I wasn't quite sure if she caught the bus or was driven but she could have headed towards the bus stop. 
I feel when the trucker approached her, she may have somewhat woken up and just darted off in fear and shock. What happened after that, I have no clue. That's just my theory. Each year, Asha's family has a remembrance walk for Asha. For years, it was on Valentine's Day, but her mother felt they shouldn't continue to be sad on a day about love. Here's a clip from the 2017 walk. Words, so tell us what's going on here today. Um, it's the 18th year that we, the 17th year we've done the prayer walk. We do this every year. We do this every year to uh, keep her name out and to uh, keep people remembering the day. We usually do it on Valentine's Day or the week before, but this year. <laughs> fell on the Saturday after. So for 17 years, what keeps you going? Well, I have faith in God and the fact that I believe my daughter is still alive, so I'm not going to give up, even if everybody else gives up. Me and my husband and my son is not going to give up until we have closure because we still think she's alive. You know, some people think she's dead. It's fine. I have no problem with it. Think what you want to. But I'm going to think and what I feel like. I don't feel it. Honestly, God, I don't feel it in my heart. She's dead. So that keeps me going. Well, I, just to keep, figure out different ways to keep her name out, just to keep going until we have closure. You say that you think she's still out there. Do you have a message for her? That we still love you. We don't understand why you left, but that's no problem. We don't care about that. We want you to come home. We just want you to know that we're doing everything possible to help bring you home. And if anybody out there knows anything, thinks they know anything, call the FBI, call the police department. Just let them do their job. Even if you suspect me, that's fine. We have nothing to do. I have nothing to hide. Let them in. They have investigated me for the last 18 years. Old. Anybody, I don't care if they relate to us, not related to us. If you think you know something, call them. I apologize about the background noise on that. If anyone knows anything about the whereabouts of Asha Jaquila Degree, you can contact several agencies. The Black and Missing Foundation, the FBI, and the Cleveland County Sheriff may be primary sources to start with. Today, there is a $45,000 reward for the finding of Asha. All right, Crime Turning Nation, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. As I stated at the top, be sure to stay subscribed so you're up to date on episodes. Also, be sure to check out www.asthecrimeturnspodcast.com for additional details about each show in this season. For our new listeners, old episodes are archived on the site. Be sure to follow us on social as well, via IG or Twitter at As the Crime Turns Podcast. Until next time, I'm Desmond Dervell, and this is As the Crime Turns.